This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Reckless speculation. Bonus scoop time with Darren Doogie Wolfson. You'll notice uh, an vacant or an absent Judd Zolgad. He uh, claimed to me, uh, Doogie, we did Purple Daily, we did Mackie and Judd, but he claims when he was attending the Wolves game on Monday, the stinker against the Spurs, that he wasn't booing from press row. I know they say professional (laughs) conduct is appreciated in the press box that you and I have been to before, but uh, I don't know. With that performance and with how Judd's voice is sounding, I'm just connecting the dots here, you know, Doogie. I'm just connecting the dots and I think Judd might have... We uh, call those... Yeah. Declan, we call those logical dots, right? To yes. connect. I don't think any of us on our bingo card for Monday night's Wolves-Spurs game had the Wolves at one point trailing by oh. 35 points. So Judd was well within his right, whether he did or not, he was well within his right to share the frustration that the fans did, right? Absolutely. The fans were booing, so if Judd wanted to boo along with the fans, so be it. I think it might be more... He's just bored with me. Like, him and I go back and forth via text way too much. He may just want the afternoon off. I wouldn't surprise me either. Uncle Mercy, like, he just, he can't stand the sight of my face, my voice. So it could just be Judd saying, you know what? I'm tapping out. I did everything else I needed to do for score today. I have no interest in going back and forth with Dukes. I could see it. We'll get into some Timberwolves conversation too later on in this bonus scoop session. But Dukes, let's let's start with the, the Vikings here. So we're a week out from the NFL trade deadline and Dukes, I, I know you probably have echoed the same uh, sentiment too. I feel like the only thing that the NFL lacks when it comes to the other three major sports is its trade deadline. And there's a multitude of reasons for that. But I feel like this year we're finally getting a little bit more trending in the right direction, right? Christian McCaffrey was on the move. You're seeing other players now being on the move. We're a week out now from the NFL trade deadline. What is your sense of the Vikings' um, lack of, uh, of, of commitment to making a trade by next week's NFL trade deadline? Quasia Dofo Mensa, the Vikings front office, is working it pretty good, Declan. You're right. I mean, Christian McCaffrey goes to the Niners. James Robinson goes to the Jets. The Jets come to U.S. Bank Stadium in early December. The return for my guy Tyler Conklin and company. So the Jets had to do something after Brees Hall was lost for the year. The Vikings are trying, Declan. Like, And I'm a firm believer because too many executives have told me this going back decades that most trades talked about never happen. So it's entirely possible, as aggressive as the Vikings are being, that in the end, no trade is executed. But I guess I will be at least mildly surprised, if not surprised, if the Vikings don't do something. That's the sense I get, that there's enough back and forth going on that over the next week, I would imagine something comes to fruition. I've heard that they've spoken with the Denver Broncos, the Washington Commanders, the Houston Texans, certainly a number of other teams as well. Now, I was told by somebody I know relatively well to check on the Vikings reaching out to the Jets about Denzel Mims. 
So going back to August, Mm -hmm. the Vikings had dialogue with the Jets about Denzel Mims before they ultimately completed the trade with Philly for Jalen Rager. Nothing going on there. Whether it's the Jets now saying, hey, Corey Davis is banged up, Elijah Moore, that situation. Hey, we need Mims for depth purposes. We have a chance to make the playoffs. We are not trading an asset. Whatever the reason, I'm just told there is zero steam, the Vikings and Denzel Mims. But they seem to be on the lookout for either a receiving target that can stretch the field, whether that's down the middle or on the outside. Last week I said tight end, which is entirely possible, but it could be somebody like a K.J. Hamler, like a Brandon Cooks that can spread the field vertically from the outside. So that would be a position to keep an eye on. Maybe not necessarily those names, although I did have somebody, this might fit more of the Thursday theme, Reckless Speculation Thursday, but I did have somebody I trust tell me to check on Cooks. I'm in the process of doing that. So I can tell you no steam on Mims. I don't know where things stand on Brandon Cooks. I think logically speaking, you want to connect these logical dots. Houston Texans are going to do something with Brandon Cooks. There are some people here in Minnesota that were with the Rams going back a few years when Cooks was there. Not O'Connell. Cooks and O'Connell missed each other by a year, but you know, Phillips, others, right? There are people in Egan that have a connection that coached with Brandon Cooks or above Brandon Cooks, have intimate knowledge of Brandon Cooks. So that would be a name to keep an eye on. You know, I still hear potential of interior defensive line. Here's what we know, Declan. Going back to August, the Vikings complete a trade for Jalen Rager. The Vikings complete a trade for Ross Blacklock, by the way, Houston, right? So when thinking about the potential of Brandon Cooks, the Vikings have already executed one trade with the Houston Texans. Then you go back to draft weekend. How many trades Quasey made? Quasey likes to be active, right? There is a window here. Yes, okay, it looks like Philadelphia is clear-cut the dominant team in the NFC. But what about a pathway to the two-seed, right? What about some sort of pathway to multiple home games in January, right? If you need to play two home games, right, before an NFC championship game, or You know, I get it. Philadelphia has the tiebreaker, so essentially Philadelphia is two up on you. But is it possible Philadelphia stumbles along the way? The Vikings have been incredibly healthy. I saw one of our guys tweet the other day that the Vikings, in terms of starters, Mm -hmm. have only had one starter miss a game, one single game. I imagine that would be Harrison Smith. Sure, they miss Lewis Seen, some other guys, Andrew Booth Jr. for those games for depth purposes. But when you think about their core 22 to 27, 28 players, those guys have been as healthy a group as any in the league. So if you're Quasi, 5-1 and one, with really good health, with a very favorable schedule, Declan, like how easy mm-hmm. is this Viking schedule? Why not? You don't need to go all in. You don't need to move your 2023 first-round pick or even your second-round pick. But you can move some of those lower round picks, and do something. Yes, the Vikings need to create some cap space, but Declan, they can do that relatively easily. Like, they can restructure Eric Kendricks' contract, no problem. There are things they can do to create cap space. So, yes, right now the Vikings have under a million dollars of cap space. But trust me, they can make some relatively easy moves to create enough space to bring in 
a trade target. I feel like too, Dukes, there's a multitude of areas they could go to. So you hinted at wide receiver. You mentioned defensive line, which they've also been active on. I wouldn't be shocked either if they made another move for a depth cornerback. If Ole Udo's situation is going to be up in the air, could you use another swing offensive lineman? It, it, even though they're a 5-1 and one team, and typically when you're talking about NFL trade deadline, you're looking at someone to make a spark, right? Like San Francisco makes the big trade for Christian McCaffrey because they could use a big spark there for them because they're kind of middling a little bit right now. The Vikings are 5-1. and one, Their starters are good. But it wouldn't shock me at all if even someone like an offensive lineman or a depth cornerback come in here not because they can make an impact on the field right away, but just from the depth side of things. Absolutely. Now, I would put those two positions below somebody that can stretch the field, below an interior defensive lineman, but certainly not ruling it out. And it's not like Shandon Sullivan has been all-world. He's been okay, right? But could you possibly look for an upgrade at the slot corner position? Now, again, I would put that below a few other positions. On Ole Udo, I was told he'll be back, or he's already back in Egan. He's no longer listed on the Miami jail roster. But, yeah, we don't know what the future holds. Certainly, I've tried to reach out to a number of people that would have intimate knowledge of Udo's situation. Crickets, right? Rightfully so. I don't think they want anything out quite, you know, at this moment. But I expect Ole Udo to be back in the Vikings locker room tomorrow. Now, what happens after that remains to be seen. But my understanding is he will be back. I'll give you a name. Now, there's no steam. This is more speculation. But going back to March, the Vikings were heavy in on Austin Corbett, the former Ram who ultimately signed with the Carolina Panthers. The Panthers seemingly are undergoing a fire sale, although they may not move everybody, right? They may not move Burns or Moore or even Corbett. But the Vikings tried to sign Austin Corbett. He would be an upgrade over Ed Ingram. If you wanted to upgrade the right guard position, which is still a position where you're like, okay, Ed's been okay, Mm -hmm. right? And you see the potential. Like, I think Ed's ceiling is pretty darn high. But if you look at this year being this window where we can make this serious run late into January, into early February, would you consider an upgrade at the right guard position? But again, Declan, like if I had to list a receiver slash tight end, somebody that can stretch the field either down the middle or on the outside, or an interior defensive lineman. But I wouldn't rule out those two, two positions you listed at all. And I feel like, too, Dukes, the, the cost of uh, an acquisition like that, I, I think Quasey probably has a limit, right? He's not going to sell out multiple future firsts or seconds even uh, to, to swing a deal like this. Probably you're looking at, what, between a fifth and a seventh round pick if we want to type some type of range. Maybe there's a compensatory thing in there or, or some type of um, asterisk where it could become a fourth if X player plays a amount of snaps. I got to imagine, too, if they are buying of something, of something, you're probably looking like a day three pick of, of the cost of doing business there. Yes, absolutely, day three. I would be surprised if they gave up a day two pick. There is some equity there with day three, although, like in the Blacklock deal, they gave up a six but got back a seven, right? So there's been some gymnastics with some of those late round picks. But there is an opportunity, right, to do something. And I'm just saying, like, I would be, I'm telling you, like, I would be pretty darn surprised if they don't do something. If they don't do anything, it won't be from a lack of effort. You know, there's also competitive reasons, right, Declan, where, okay, it seems the Packers are just about dead. Maybe after Sunday night, double-digit underdog at Buffalo. Maybe at that point, if they end up losing, losing convincingly, 
Maybe at that point we leave them for dead. But like the Packers are looking for a receiver, right? So if you're the Vikings, would you consider trying to go after somebody to block your number one rival? Just to completely put them out of their misery, right? Because you still have to go to Green Bay, right? So if Green Bay gets hot, the Vikings stumble a couple times, that stretch Buffalo into Dallas, even into the Patriots, even though the Patriots looked like poop last night on Monday Night Football at home. But that three-game stretch, that quick turnaround, Cowboys game into Thanksgiving night, the Patriots game, like maybe you go one and two over that three-game stretch, right? So it's possible you stumble a couple times. Maybe Green Bay at some point gets hot. So if you're the Vikings front office, you're still thinking a little bit about, hey, like we still need to win the North. Yes, it's great to think about being a really high seed come early January, but like we still need to win the North. And so if you can block your main rival from getting somebody, that's also in their minds. Doogie, is it crazy to think that actually after watching what happened on Monday Night Football yesterday, that the Chicago Bears might be the biggest threat to the Vikings in the NFC North? (laughs) I don't see it, Declan. Right now, I'm shocked they had all the success they did running the ball against the Patriots. The Bears run the ball more than any team in the league, but no. And they've had guys like the offensive lineman Jenkins, who, by the way, if the Vikings missed out on Christian Derrissaw, so remember, mm-hmm. the Vikings had interest in Vera Tucker, who's now out for the year, but Vera Tucker's been really been good. good for the Jets. But there was a thought the Vikings stay there, take Vera Tucker. All right, but they decided to move back, Spielman and company. They ended up with Derrissaw. But if Derrissaw was off the board, Jenkins, who ended up with the Bears, was their next guy, right? Well, he's turned out to be pretty good, right? So, like, the Bears have had some guys, you know, pop to some extent this year. I still think 1-53, to it's a rock-bottom roster. Now, we can debate. If you want to say the Falcons have a worse 1-53 to roster or some other team, Houston, fine, so be it. But I do think the Bears 1-53 to have one of the worst rosters in the league. So credit to them. You know, they were competitive here. You know, winning the games that they've won, what is it now, three wins for Chicago? So, hey, kudos to them after stripping that thing down. Remember, Ryan Poles, their GM, you know, he turned down the in-person interview here. The Vikings wanted to interview him in person. He passed the first test. He was very much in the mix. In the end, it was Poles, Quasey. Poles ends up in Chicago. Quasey was the last man standing. Quasey gets the job. But if Ryan Poles comes here for that interview, it's entirely possible Ryan Poles gets the job now, Quasey, now Ryan, he had some interest in stripping some things down here, right? So there was going to be some resistance with the Wilfs. The Bears gave him a very nice contract, gave him the keys to do what he wanted to do. So it never came like super close to Ryan Poles thinking, okay, let me get on that airplane, come to Minnesota, because like he knew that the Vikings weren't interested in completely stripping things down. But, you know, I'm just saying there's still some work to do there in Chicago. But, yeah, they've been a pleasant surprise for Bears fans, right? But, no, Declan, I don't see it. And, hey, like, this league is so weird. Like, who foresaw New England playing as poorly as they did last night, right? Like, maybe this is out of the realm of possibilities. But I'm just saying, like, could you see a scenario where Green Bay puts up a really good fight on Sunday night football in Buffalo? And I'm not even saying like outright winning, maybe, right. but like certainly covering the 10 and a half. Like my first guess is I would take all those points. 
I think I would. Buffalo too. maybe still win, but I think I would take. That's just too many points, you know. But does Green Bay have a chance, right? You know, does something weird happen, right? Buffalo misses maybe an easy kick or, you know, some fluky bounce, some block, something where it's literally one play that makes the difference. I'm just saying, to me, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. So I still think it's Green Bay. As long as Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, as bad as he has looked at different times this year, to me, Declan, the answer to your question is the Packers, not the Bears. Dukes, uh, with the Wolves, you're, um, I, I want to get your opinions on this after a 2-2 two and two start. I went to opening night as a fan, and yes, I was one of those people booing after multiple beers in during the third quarter. Now they did, uh, they were able to get the win, uh, but just a sloppy start here. They dropped to a motivated Utah Jazz team. They beat a Thunder team that was without two of its best players. Uh, but just your overall assessment so far of the Timberwolves, kind of lackluster 2-2 two and two start through four games. Well, I mean, the defense has been pitiful Declan I mean I can rip them to shreds I'm not sure I can be as harsh as Chris Finch was post game on Monday night like he ripped into them pretty darn good the amount of open looks they are giving up Declan is unacceptable it can't happen Mm -hmm. and just the rotations on defense right and transition defense has been horrible Like, the way they are defending Declan, it is rock bottom. You know, and hey, they started, what, 4-9 and last year, ended up with 46 wins. You know, hey, the year Ryan Saunders got fired, they started, what, 9-4? and 9-5? They were a few games over 500. Then it spiraled out of control. So it can fix itself pretty darn fast. Here's the issue, Declan. The Western Conference is as deep as ever, although I still think OKC, San Antonio, Utah want to lose games, and OKC, you know, is losing some games, but Utah and San Antonio, not so much. Like, you look at the top of the Western Conference right now, Portland, San Antonio, Utah. Like, who the heck foresaw that four games in? I still think they are going to figure things out. I'm not as worried offensively. There have been issues on offense. Don't get me wrong, right? But I'm pretty sure they're going to figure things out offensively. I am worried, though, Declan, about the defense. And you lose these two games. Now, maybe in the end, especially Utah, maybe Utah ends up being way, way better than we expected. Ends up minimum a play-in team, maybe even a top-six team. I still don't see it, but they have some guys. I don't necessarily see it in San Antonio. Right. But like to me, these are now two losses. When you lose on your home court to Utah, to San Antonio, you need to win two games along the way that you're really not supposed to win. You know, whether that's a game against Boston or a game against Milwaukee or a game in Phoenix or in LA against the Clippers or in San Francisco against the Warriors, you now need to make up these wins because the stated goal, at least on background, is top four Western Conference that they finish top four in the Western Conference, they secure home court advantage in the first round. Well, you lose that home to San Antonio and Utah, you know, your pathway to 50, 51, 52 wins is that much more difficult. So you need to make up these two games somewhere along the way. But I'm just disappointed in the defense. Last night, it was some effort things, right? Like when you're not getting back, when you're not hustling, like that is – that is a concern. That's a legit concern. So, Declan, I'd like to think that 
it gets fixed as soon as tomorrow night against the Spurs at Target Center. You know, you still have the Lakers this week. Like, find a way to win these remaining two games on this, you know, mini homestand. You know, nine of the first 12 at home. But, like, I thought out of these first 12, you should find a way to get to eight or nine wins. Well, you almost need to win out right at this point to get to my desire. And you still have, what, the Suns and the Bucks among the first 12. Maybe one of those is right outside the first 12. But point is, like, you know, early in the season when I was like, okay, win-loss, win-loss. You Mm -hmm. know, we love playing that game with the football schedule. But I do it with the basketball schedule, at least in increments, right? I'm not, like, going to game 46 saying win-loss. But those first 12, seeing nine of the first 12 at home, I'm like, okay, you find a way to go nine and three, Mm -hmm. right? And so I don't know if nine and three at this point, Declan, is realistic because it is going to take some time to fix that defense. Let me ask you this, Dukes, because Mackie and Judd were asking about this uh, on today's edition of Mackie and Judd on Score North. You know, do you think that Tim Connolly and the brass potentially had talks of, all right, if if this go bare fit with Cat and Ant and D'Lo doesn't work out, is there a backup plan? Do you think a, a backup plan when they made these moves, and of course optimism reigns, they're, they're thinking about this coming season, and then that's their focus. But do you think a, a, a plan also behind the scenes is, okay, what if it doesn't go right? What is our exit strategy? What is our backup plan? Do you think some type of conversation like that took place this summer after acquiring Gobert? No actual conversation, but the very easy exit plan, trust me, it's in the air over there. Like, sure, like Tim Connolly always has to think about mm-hmm. every scenario. So what if this thing goes south now? we're not saying it's gone south after four games, you know, for two individual games, certainly those games went south, but not the totality, not the full body of work. We're not suggesting it's gone completely south, but sure. Tim Connolly has to be thinking of every scenario. The easy exit plan is you trade Carl Anthony Towns. You don't resign D'Angelo Russell, right? Those would be two logical exit plans that you would build this thing around Anthony Edwards make him the full-fledged alpha dog with Rudy Gobert, the number two guy, right? And you would copycat probably a lot of what Utah tried to accomplish the last couple years, right? You would go back to some small ball, right? And chuck a lot of threes, right? But no, I'm not aware, and I think I would be, Declan, I'm not aware of any actual conversations like a plan that is hashed out. I'm just saying, like, to me, the very easy exit plan is, you know, and they're going to let this thing play out for even more than a year. Like, we're not talking if this year goes bad that I foresee Carl Anthony Towns getting traded next summer unless he asks out, but we're not to that point. Like, I think they're going to let this thing play out for at least a couple years. Russell, though, is the interesting one, right? Because they've had extension talks on Jalen Noel. They've had some recent extension talks on Nas Reed. There really isn't anything going on on Russell. My understanding is this front office wants to let this thing play out, you know, and and see how it works. But their first guess, their first inclination was we're not paying D'Angelo Russell the money he wants this summer. Like we can let this thing play out. We have his bird rights. You know, if he has a really good year and Hey, we think Rudy Gobert is going to be a really good partner for him. We can always pay him next summer. We don't need to pay him right now, but let me also add Declan that there was an athletic report Mm -hmm. on the Noel extension talks, on the Reed extension talks. These are things we've discussed, at least I have on the scoop, but I think we've talked about it either on Tuesdays or Thursdays. Certainly Jalen Noel. I mean, they offered him two different extensions going back to June. 
they were very easy no's. Like, he can do way better than what the Wolves were offering in June. Three-ish million a year, three and a half million a year. He can do way better than that. He might be able to do the mid-level next summer. Maybe not necessarily here, yeah. but somewhere. Enough of the league will have cap space. You know, guys with his skill set are always in demand. Those guys are not easy to find. You know, guys that have a little bit of size on the wing, not great size, but, you know, he can play multiple positions. The defense still has a long way to go, but he can score at multiple levels, right? There's just there's a lot to like about Jalen Noel. And so he can get paid a different way, not here, but somewhere else next summer. On Nas Reed, my understanding is nothing's close at this point. So I think the Wolves are also trying to get him on a sweetheart deal. Now, if you're the Wolves, Declan, like here's my philosophy. You make a first offer. If a guy wants to say yes, great. So be it, right? Some guys want that security, right? That guaranteed money, right? So it's not like I'm mad at the Wolves for shortchanging a guy I really like, Jalen Noel. Hey, by all means, try. If he says yes, great. But you shouldn't be surprised, and they weren't, that he said no. But your first offer doesn't need to be your final offer. So I imagine, you know, the Wolves can extend those guys whenever. It's not like there was a deadline of a week ago and there's a deadline next week or something. Like, if they wanted to extend those guys middle of the season, they can. So talks will be ongoing. But with Noel, like, just too much of the league is going to have cap space. Some teams that I believe like Jalen Noel. So, like, if I'm Jalen Noel, I'm not signing an extension. I'm playing this thing out, taking it to the summer. The Wolves want to make a new offer then. I can consider it. But I may as well see what the rest of the league is going to offer. Absolutely. Uh, final scoops, sir. Uh, whether on the Wolves side, NFL side, college basketball side, what do you got for us? Well, so Gophers football, Penn State Saturday night, the local mm-hmm. TV ratings, 250,000 people tuned in roughly in the Twin Cities viewing area, which is a pretty good number for a Saturday night, the least yeah. watched TV night of the seven. Now, by comparison, Vikings-Eagles Monday Night Football Week 2, 1 million total viewers. Right, But we all know the Vikings trump all. Nothing. Gophers football, twins, you know, you name it. Some great sitcom <laughs> series finale. Like nothing is touching a Vikings game when it comes to TV ratings. But for the Gophers to get 250,000 people watching in our viewing area, it's a pretty good number. I was disappointed that they did not let Ethan Kalikmanis do a whole lot. So P.J. Fleck, going back to the summer at Dunkers, spoke very highly of Calic Manis, saying, hey, like this kid is going to be really good. Right? He was speaking him up pretty darn good. Then when training camp started, the chatter wasn't as loud. So I don't know if P.J. was just having a moment, got caught up in the hyperbole, the audience, but at Dunkers, in the middle of the summer, before August camp started, he spoke up Calic Manis big time. We did not get to see Calic Manis have a chance to really do what he can do on Saturday. Now, it doesn't help that the offensive line was putrid. His receivers didn't create any separation. Stunk to not have Dalen Wright, who will be back this week, but that was disciplinary. Like, if you looked at Dalen Wright's body language during the Illinois game and his lack of effort, it wasn't shocking that he was suspended for the Penn State game. Just come on, Dalen. What a golden opportunity with Chris Altman Bell out for the year. This is your opportunity to seize, and you already effed it up. You can rebound, 
right? The final chapter hasn't been written, but right. just very disappointed in Dalen Wright. On Gophers basketball, they had a secret scrimmage on Saturday at Williams Arena against Colorado State. I'm told, Declan, neither coach played to win. So the Gophers played their entire roster. You're not going to see that come November 7th, right? You're going to play nine, maybe 10 guys tops. You're not going to play 12, right? But Ben played the full roster. He played his freshmen way more minutes than I believe they will play at least a couple of them starting November 7th. So there really wasn't a sense, okay, playing to win. Why? They didn't even release the box score. As far as we know, this scrimmage never took place. So there was no reason to play to win. But I am told Dawson Garcia, Pharrell Payne, Talon Cooper all played really well. And it's not like, you know, I heard that Jamison Battle played poorly because Jamison Battle is a really, really good player. I just was told by somebody in the gym that those three guys stood out in particular to him. Garcia was making his threes, made all his free throws. He only played like 15 minutes. That's another thing. Like I was told Dawson Garcia played about 15 minutes, 16 minutes. He's going to play way more than that come November 7th in the opener. So, you know, but I know people were curious about that. One correction from Thursday. This is very part in the interruption like one correction. <laughs> so Phil Mackey Declan asked me about Dennis Evans and I opined about how the Gophers landed Dennis Evans. So you can podcast that, you know, go retrieve it from last Thursday, Reckless Speculation Thursday. But I noted Dennis Evans has a tight relationship with a member of the Gophers. I identified that player as Jaden Hardy. Well, Jaden Hardy is a guard for my buddy Sean Sweeney and the Dallas Mavericks. Jalen Henley is the player's name. He's going to play a decent amount for the Gophers this year. So he may as well get on my radar, everybody else's radar right now. Last name Henley, not Hardy. I was thinking of the NBA player with my buddy Sean. So that is a correction from last Thursday. All right, sir. Next, I'll th- uh, we'll do it again this Thursday with Mackie and Judd. Hopefully, we'll we'll see how Judd's uh, voice is doing then. I have faith in him now. Hopefully, I have faith in myself. I had to go get a COVID booster shot, Declan. Remember mm. a couple Tuesdays ago, I curled up in the fetal position. I was pretty much filibustering, trying to delay the inevitable of me having to go downstairs and get my flu shot. I just I'm not a big fan of of needles, but needed to get the COVID booster. It puts my mom at ease, the in-laws at ease. So I got the COVID vaccine to begin with, heck, for a lot of what we do to have locker room access. We need to have the COVID, you know, booster and all that. So, you know, I know it's political. I know some people, at least for some people, it's political. Some people are going to be like, Dukes, you idiot. Why'd you get the, the booster? Well, because a lot of what I do, you just, you need to have proof, right? And it puts my mom, when I'm around her, She's up there in age. It puts her at a peace of mind. And so far, zero reaction, right? Got the vaccine, got the booster. This is my second booster. So I figured, hey, right, it's not that big of a deal, although I hate needles, Declan. So I did get it about an hour ago, doing okay so far. But, you know, assuming it doesn't kick my ass, I'll talk with you guys on Thursday. All right, buddy. We'll talk Thursday. Thank you, Dukes. Okay, sounds good, Declan. Good job. Wally Pitt, baby. Thank you.